You're listening to Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exposition of scriptures. I'm your host and podcast preacher, Brandon Harrell. I'm the pastor of Bethesda Baptist Church in East Flat Rock, nestled here in the mountains of Western North Carolina, where I've served for the past 10 years. I pray the podcast will bless your life as we study God's Word together. It's me again. We're still studying the Gospel of Matthew. That's our verse-by-verse study. We're in chapter 1. And we're looking at the first 17 verses and uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We've already discussed the goals of this genealogy. We did a brief introduction of this Gospel. And now we are considering what I'm calling some gaps in this genealogy. We saw, first of all, the omissions in verse 8, there were three kings omitted, Ahaz, uh, I'm sorry, Ahaziah, Joash, and Amaziah. Then in verse 11, we saw that Jehoiakim's name is absent. Now, in verse 11, and that's where we're focusing today, we read these words, And Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. Jehoiakim, we found, was a son of Josias, mentioned in our verse. He was appointed king of Judah by Pharaoh Necho, the king of Egypt, who was uh, who changed his name to Eliakim after he removed Jehoahaz, Josias's other son, from power upon his defeat of Judah. It was this Jehoiakim under whose reign Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, defeated Egypt and took power. Some three years later, uh, some three years later, we discovered in 2 Kings chapter 24, verses 1 through 5, that Jehoiakim rebelled against him, and God punished his rebellion with invasions from various nations from around them in fulfillment of prophecies put forth by various prophets, and uh, Jeremiah was one in particular. Now, upon Jehoiakim's death, we're brought to Jeconias, of whom is made mention in Matthew chapter 1, verse 11. And just a note here, we certainly uh, are not uh, belittling the other names in this genealogy, but uh, it would take a long time um, to look in depth at every name. And really, a lot of the names, we wouldn't have a whole lot of information to look into. There's not a whole lot of information about them. So we're trying to pick out some highlights in this genealogy as we study it verse by verse. But here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 11, uh, we come to this man by the name of Jeconias. Now, he's called Jehoiachin in the Old Testament in Second Kings. Um, and he is actually the grandson of Josias, who there is called Josiah. We all are familiar with Josiah. In this name, we're finding what I'm calling an obstruction. So we have some omissions in this gap, uh, in these gaps in this genealogy. But then there is this obstruction. That's found in this man, Jeconias, or as the Old Testament calls him, Jehoiachin. And we'll find later on reference to him as Coniah. We'll see that today, Lord willing. So in Jeconiah's time, Jehoiachin, uh, Judah is totally defeated 
and comes completely under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 24, verses 6 through 16. We did that last week. Jehoiachin then is put in bonds, and we closed last time with 2 Kings 24, verse 17. There we read these words, And the king of Babylon made Mataniah his father's brother, king in his stead and changed his name to Zedekiah. So Zedekiah, who would end up being the last king of Judah, was made king instead of Jeconias or Jehoiachin, as that account puts it. From that point on, they only had governors. Zedekiah was the last king. Zedekiah was the uncle, not the son but the uncle of Jehoiachin. He was Josiah's brother. He was the uncle to Jehoiachin. Now, I emphasize this point because it was the fulfillment of a prophecy of Jeremiah and a critical one to Christ's messiahship and his authority to rule upon the throne of David. I want to read that prophecy to you out of the book of Jeremiah chapter number 22. In verses 24 to 30, here's what we read. As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, that's Jeconias, that's Jehoiachin, that's the one we're reading about in Matthew 1, 11. As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence, and I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, and into the hand of them who thou, whose face thou fearest, even into the hand of Nebuchadrezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. And I will cast thee out, and thy mother that bare thee into another country, where you were not born, and there shall ye die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. Is this man Kaniah a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which they know not? O earth, earth, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. What an amazing thing here as we think about the Lord pronouncing a curse upon Jeconiah. Now, the word Jeconias, Jehoiachin, or Kaniah, as we found it in Jeremiah, has to do with establishment. Jeconiah actually means whom Jehovah establishes. But you'll notice in Jeremiah's prophecy, he is called Coniah, the Jed. J-E is taken away. That would, that would account that the word would mean Jehovah establishes. Now God has taken himself, the reference, out of, the reference of himself, out of the name of Coniah as he pronounces this curse upon him and says, 
Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper. Listen, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. This is huge. First, let me point out that Jeconias did have children. So when the Lord said, write ye this man childless, he wasn't saying he would have no children. We know that he did. Verse 12 of Matthew says, um, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel, and so on and so forth. So Jeconias did have children. But what the Lord is saying is that his kingly heritage was to be done away. He would not prosper. His influence upon the nation, which had been negative, would now be irrelevant. As a matter of fact, by the time we come to Matthew 1 and we find Joseph, who's a descendant of Jeconias, we realize that he is living in very blatant obscurity. That posterity, that line has fallen unto nothing. They're now just poor laborers and uh, they're at the bottom of the echelon. What had once been a, a, a tribe and a descendancy and a line of kings was now mere carpenters. So God wasn't saying you would have no kids. He was saying his kids would not prosper nor sit on the throne. And the second point that we need to make as we study and realize this prophecy concerning Jeconias, who's mentioned here in Matthew one eleven, is that if Jesus had been the actual biological son of Joseph. He would not have rights to the throne. This curse made it possible that Jesus could be a rightful heir to the throne, but also that no other descendant of Jeconias could ever sit upon it because he was cursed. God, in a manner, bypassed the curse he put on Jeconias and ensured that the only one individual in history who could ever sit in David's place would be the Lord Jesus. One writer said it this way. He said, quote, If Jesus had been the real son of Joseph, he never could have sat on the throne of David. Did you get that? He would be under the curse, and yet he had to be the legal son of Joseph to have the right. So God had to devise a plan by which he would be the legal heir to the throne but that he would not be in the line of David descending through Jeconiah. And so God did it by the virgin birth, bypassing the actual bloodline of Jeconiah, and yet carrying the royal right to reign and descending the bloodline through the side of Mary. Wow. Uh, that was the end quote. Wow, God is not only sovereign, but he's all wise. He is the only wise God and our Savior. It's amazing what God did, even revealing to us in this genealogy his wisdom. Now, through the events which led to these omissions and this obstruction, it seems that Satan was active in attempting to disrupt the line through which he thought Christ would come. For this line meets David through his son Solomon. However, in Luke 3, in the genealogy that Luke gives, we find the line of Christ on his mother Mary's side. It goes back to David, not through Solomon, but rather through Nathan, who also was a son of David and Bathsheba. While the devil was looking one way, Christ would enter through another. 
God was working it out so that the devil would be preoccupied with an attempt to thwart the coming of Christ and the kingship of Christ through the line of Solomon. And then in obscurity, Nathan began uh, to have his posterity. And down through that line, there came this little virgin girl by the name of Mary. And she gave birth to a son uh, through a uh, through Holy Ghost conception and brought to, uh, brought to the world the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ would enter through her womb. Aren't you glad, first of all, that Satan uh, isn't omniscient and isn't omnipotent? And aren't you glad that God is all-wise and that he would bring to pass a method in which we would find that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only uh, the only rightful heir to the throne of David. Uh, I've mentioned this as we've studied, but I would mention it again here in 70 AD when Titus came in and destroyed Jerusalem. It was at that point that all of the records and all of the legal uh, ability to trace one's heritage was taken away. And the only place to find reliable lineage documented is right here in the Word of God. And there's no Jew on planet earth who can prove rights to the throne of David. There's only one, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only Savior. He's the one that came down to earth, laid aside his glory, took on flesh. God manifest in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died that substitutionary death, taking upon himself the wrath of God and judgment. But then on the third day he rose again and he ascended into heaven where he sits on the right hand of the throne of God. And one day he'll establish even here on earth that kingdom and sit upon the throne of David to which he alone is the rightful heir. Have you believed upon him for remission of your sin, for the regeneration to be born again? Have you believed upon Christ? That's the truth of the gospel. Till next time, this has been Pastor Brandon. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, you can find our church's website at www.BethesdaBaptistEastFlatRock.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at PreacherB underscore BBC. If you'd like to watch our services live streamed, you can do that on Facebook at Bethesda Baptist East Flat Rock. God bless you till we meet again.